Welcome to episode 68 of Slick Talk. Folks, if I don't have the usual uh, chipper tone or carefree demeanor, well, it's because we have serious business to discuss on this latest episode. Your host, your source for all things oil analysis is under attack. I'm not kidding. The past two days, consecutively, I have received anonymous packages Amazon packages to be specific. Now I have order numbers to reference. I have QR codes, but so far they have turned up nothing in the way of identifying the sender. Now at this point, you're probably wondering what they contain. Well, I'm glad to note that was not any dangerous substance. Your host is not suffering any bodily harm, but the mental, the mental war is being waged. In each of these packages, there was a copy unopened, of Paul Blart 2, Blart Rides Again. Now on this podcast, I have alluded to a fascination, a fandom with film. I fancy myself a cinephile of sorts, maybe even an amateur critic, a scholar at times. Nevertheless, these unforeseen packages, this assault of mediocrity of filmmaking that couldn't even breach a 10% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes being sent to my office, my place of work, anonymously. Folks, I take this as a threat. And that is why I'm enlisting the help of the Slick Talk community. If you know a way for me to discover the sender of these packages to the one and only Blackstone Joe, yes, indeed, my personal office, my place of work, I can only expect another assault from Paul Blart 2, Blart Rides Again, this very day. We're releasing this episode on the 4th of July, a day for independence, but folks, if I may, uh, this should also be a day for justice. If you are interested in joining me on my pursuit for justice and accountability, or if, heaven forbid, you are the perpetrator, come forward I encourage a Instagram DM, a Twitter mention, perhaps even an email. If you are willing to come forward with information relating to the unfettered shipments of Paul Blart 2, Blart Rides Again, to the offices of Blackstone Joe at Blackstone Laboratories. Now on to the oil. <laughs> If you are someone who is still relying on the eye test, or if you have doubts about what used oil analysis can do, then this episode is for you. We're going to break down an engine that to the owner, the operator, seemingly had no issues. But when you look at the results, you're able to see a clear problem that we were able to catch in the nick of time. The engine in question was a Continental O300D. This engine is powering a Cessna 172. We're going to include the results online on our social media because I believe that if you're listening today and you're able to look at the results as well, 
I think even an armchair analyst would be able to look at these numbers and see the concern, much less someone who is seasoned in oil analysis and understands a little bit about our averages as well as what we can find in a used oil sample in terms of metals, contaminants, how that oil is holding up. You can reference these results on our Facebook page. We also have them on our Instagram. If you're following along, I want to begin in the spectral results. Okay, starting at the top with aluminum. You can see this number is 88 parts per million. Now look all the way to the far right. Not the unit location averages, but the universal averages. You can see that average for this engine was 8 parts per million. 88 jumps right off the page. But not only that, we have 184 parts per million of chrome, we have 145 parts per million of iron, and stopping right there, these are hallmarks of cylinder area wear. Keep that in mind. Cylinder area wear. Moving down, we have copper at 30 parts per million. This is from brass bronze wear, coming from parts like wrist pin or rocker arm bushings. And then skipping down to the last highlight in the spectral results, we have silicon, Reading a bit high at 19 parts per million, usually this element is from sealers, but it can also be from dirt or debris that is getting past the air filter. When we look at results that are this concerning, there's a couple of things we'd like to do. First of all, we want to cover the bases and see if there's any background info we should know about, any repairs or inspections that might have uncovered any issues already. As a matter of fact, I was writing another aircraft report just yesterday where I saw twin engines that were in rough shape and I went ahead and placed a call. It ends up the maintenance manager already had two new engines on the way. They already knew that things were bad and they expected the results to say as much. As such, they just wanted a report, a set of reports to kind of put a bow on things for these engines. Maybe provide the owner with added justification for the engine replacements, just end the file with a look at how things were at the very end, sort of just an epilogue as it were, whereas in this case, the owner wasn't suspecting anything. The owner replied to the results with a mention of there being no indication of trouble on their end, but thankfully, they were able to look into things after receiving these results. Now, the owner had looked at the oil on the dipstick. Nothing stood out there. No visible metal. Nothing that looked alarming from what he had been used to seeing in the past. I want to go a little further into the eye test right now because I think that the eye test can indeed spot things that are wrong, but usually it's when things are so far gone that you're already looking down the barrel of more money than you would have had to spend otherwise, more invasive repairs than you would have had to pursue. Had there been a oil sample earlier in the game, you would be able to avoid having to rely on the eye test when things have gone from bad to worse. Now on to the next steps. So we had relayed these results to the customer. Now, earlier I highlighted cylinder area wear, uh, which jumped out in the levels of aluminum, chrome, and iron. Well, the first thing the customer did after we hung up the phone and made them aware of these results 
is they decided to go with a compression check. So note, we didn't just send the report, we also called, okay? And when we can place a call and gather background info about potential repairs or lack thereof, we can also relay what next steps we would recommend. And that's what we did here. So we called and then the customer was able to proceed with a compression check and found that cylinder number two in particular was very low on compression. They could hear air leaking out of the oil filler tube. Next step was taking it to the mechanic. From there, the mechanic was able to replace the piston and also honed the cylinder. Total expense on this one. This number surprised me, so I'm sure it will surprise a few of you as well. Total expense on this one was $400, just under. The customer still has the old piston as a souvenir. A reminder, a very useful one, I might add, of the value of a used oil analysis. If you're not familiar, a used oil analysis, a standard analysis that we use to uncover wear metals, contaminants, how the oil is holding up, is $30. $30 to see that a cylinder was on the way out, that metals were sky high, and that there was a definite issue that needed to be addressed, but one that could be addressed at a dollar amount so much more manageable than an overhaul, than replacing more than one cylinder, than all the things that can go wrong up in the air when you have a cylinder that is on the way out. So if you are someone who is wondering about the value of used oil analysis, if you're interested in whether or not there, an, there is an issue even if the engine runs well, you can see right away in this illustration the value of getting a look at things even when all is well on the operator end. Used oil analysis can spot a problem for you far before the operator begins to notice anything out of line. And of course, if the operator is noticing symptoms as well as there being trouble on a microscopic level, then you have all the indications you need to proceed with a careful approach, keep the engine running, and keep the engine running well. And of course, we don't simply advertise used oil analysis for others. We use it ourselves to ensure that what we're running stays in good shape. Recently, I was up in the air in a Vans RV12 with a Rotax 912 ULS engine, this belonging to president of Blackstone Laboratories. We're up taking a flight around Fort Wayne. is my first time in the Vans, and it was phenomenal. I had all the confidence in the world being up with a experienced operator as well as an engine that is being cared for and looked at in the way that used oil analysis can. I even took a peek at the latest set of results before I went up in the air and this is a young engine but nevertheless one that looks fantastic in terms of having low wear levels, nothing concerning compared to either averages for the engine type but also past samples from this engine in particular. One thing I like to remind people of is that universal averages are something we build after coming across multiple samples from an engine, but they are not the be-all end-all. We rely on trends as well. For that reason, we like to keep all the sample history from an engine in one place. That way we can reference how it's looked before and we can see if there are any changes and that speaks to how an engine is wearing not simply how the levels compare to averages, but if we are seeing any steady increases or spikes, any change in the way metals are balanced, that is a way that you can spot a problem, not just if levels are high, but if they are out of line with the established trend.
intro of this episode was perhaps a little dramatized in terms of the delivery, but I do want to return to that and note that I'm not kidding. Um, these copies of Paul Blart 2, uh, Blart Rides Again, they do exist. They are being sent to my office. And I don't know. I mean, my best guess is that this is a listener of Slick Talk, and that's why I want to address it on the show. Um, but seriously, though, uh, if this is a gag. I know it can be one that will probably be maintained for a long time because copies of Paul Blart 2, Blart Rides Again. These copies are currently on Amazon.com for, I believe, $5.99. So even a person of limited means can keep this gag up for a long time. So I'm just prepared to have a stack of these DVDs until I find out who is behind this. But in the meantime, I am assuming that this is a listener of Slick Talk. As such, I will be performing a special episode of this show where I review Paul Blart 2, Blart Rides Again, on the show. And if you are a listener who is going to keep sending me DVDs, I have no choice but to review them on this show. Whether that will end up being a good idea in the long run, I'm not sure. But I'm going to have fun with this because the fact of the matter is you don't look a Paul Blart 2, Blart Rides Again gift horse in the mouth. Uh, you simply enjoy the ride. So I'm going to hopefully find out who is behind this. In the meantime, I'm going to sit down and review this, by all accounts, legendarily terrible movie. And hopefully, if someone is going to keep sending me movies, they can at least change it up. Because I have two copies of Paul Blart 2, and I don't want any more. Uh... I mean, at the very least, send me, like, the first one. I haven't seen the first one, so I'm going in blind here. But regardless, I'm having fun with it. I hope you are having fun with uh, my over-dramatization at the beginning of this show. Uh, but that's what's happening. I'm going to keep you posted on the situation. If you know a way for me to backtrack through these order numbers and find out who's sending these, let me know, because I haven't had any luck so far. Uh, but I'm going to keep trying. And I'm going to keep looking at oil samples. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm going to do as soon as I hang up the headphones today. We have a busy day of report data ahead of us. So that's what I'm going to get right to. Thank you so much for hanging with us. This is Blackstone Joe signing off. Mm -hmm.